Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Alex Pace, Peter Kayo, Gregory Vallejo, and Celine Dijon. And of course, all of our Patreon supporters and you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Andrew, welcome to The Adventure Jogger, man. It's nice to finally meet you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I first heard about you. Someone sent me a message on on Facebook Messenger, and they said, you've got to talk to this guy. He's from New Hampshire. He he owns a ski shop. He's a race director. He's a guy who's, who's paced Scott Jurek on his FKT attempt. He's done a whole bunch of things. Uh, but currently, he is summiting Mount Washington every single day summoning mount washington the second highest peak in the eastern united states at 6288 feet there has got to be something there and there has to be andrew i gotta know right off the bat okay what is the story behind this mount washington summit everyday deal well i want to know who gave that great introduction but uh (laughs) yeah thanks for having me i I had this idea. Um, I guess it was sparked this earlier this spring or last fall. I can't. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly. But a local mountain crusher here named Todd Nappy, he had just hit his 200th summit on Washington, um, which is a, quite a quite a bit. I don't know what the record is. You know, a lot of this stuff. There's no records. Right. It's just what people like to do, and um, you just go with it. But you know, I thought 200 was a. a a huge number and um, him and this other guy Chris Daly they've just been kind of you know they're friends they hike together sort of duking it out but it just sparked the question what if um, you know what, what's the possibilities if with this mountain with the dynamic weather with your life could you do how many summits in a row could you do each yeah. calendar day yeah. and you know I'm not into lists I'm not into like these streaks or the the minutia of some of these outdoor pursuits you know, a lot of people are doing other peak bagging goals, but like, I just thought, Hey, that's, that's something cool that like sort of grew on me as I, as summer approached, I was like, what's a fun summer goal. And it's like, maybe I could just do a hundred days straight. And I, it wasn't something that I was like promoting, pushing, being like, Hey, look at me. But it was just something like it's this selfish endeavor of, Hey, I live 10 minutes from this trailhead of this peak that I love. I spend a lot of my winter backcountry skiing there. And it's kind of the epicenter of um, the White Mountains. Yeah, and I don't know. It just seemed like this cool goal that this project that would allow me to get out every day would hold me accountable. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of this unknown. Um, there's lots of unknowns about doing something like this. It gives you a nice I, summer. Like it gives you a big summer. Like you're not going to have the boring summer if you pull this off. No, and certainly not. I, I just think like how the summer started. Um, you know, my very first day on this project was trying to find a good weather window and it coincided with my last day skiing. So it was, this was in May, May 22nd, yeah. uh, got the skis 
went up, hiked up to uh, the summit, skied off. There's still some maybe like 500 feet of skiing off the snow fields and then down one of the other neighboring ravines, got another 500 feet of skiing. And then that was the kind of the, yeah, that was the catalyst of the whole summer. It's like, all right, let's go. We've got our good, good window, our good window, this high pressure system moved in. And then I just started hiking um, and went from there. But it was like, yeah, playing this all out, it was just like, you know, how many hours a day can you devote to something without it like becoming obtrusive and I think this is like I don't know it's probably like averages like four four and a half hours out of my day every day to do something like this where between like getting up packing your stuff getting to the trailhead getting the hike done coming back unpacking um, it adds up but it's like it's totally doable and I didn't have any big plans this summer um, between June and at the end of August to go anywhere like outside the region. And as of the recording of this podcast, you are 78 days in. You, you're 22 days away from being able to not put that pack on in the morning and go like, you know, I'm not going to get any vert in today. Who needs any, who needs verts? I've got plenty for the summer. Yeah, right. It's uh, today was 78. It was like windy. Had a couple of friends that wanted to join. That's been like a huge part of this is, is, uh, having other people some company to go with and get them get them out and share some of uh this experience with them but like tonight i didn't even realize this because i was i had like a i I did a running race yesterday um hiked last night got a wanted to sleep in this morning but then soon realized there was going to be 100 mile an hour winds up there this afternoon so i made a point i mean that's the thing that kind of like that's the huge deterrent and something that you plan around is while the winter weather is really bad, the summer weather can be like equally as bad as well. And like that often gets overlooked. I feel like I'm more uncomfortable there up high in the summertime because it's so easy to like not think you need all the gear. Right, because it's deceptive, right? Because there, there you are at the base, and you're like, oh, it's a nice day. It's a little hot out, but then you're you're going, you know, quite a few thousand feet up where you're up where you're at and how the weather can change i'm i'm interested though in i mean are you are you using the same route each time or are you allowing yourself to take multiple different routes so it doesn't become monotonous i i mean i guess that's what's great about this is it's my own game um so i make my own rules but no it's all it's all pretty straightforward there's about nine routes up mount washington i mean i don't know if i can see here if you're looking at the most popular tuckerman ravine lionhead route bootsburg um great gulf uh jewel trail amanusic ravine trail and there's a couple north south trails yeah. on the auto road um and then some obscure trails like that go off of some of the um, drainages so anyway th- that's like a chunk of the trails and like the way you mix them up and if you want to do a bigger day you can do like a presidential traverse which is one of the iconic routes here um, or like you could even do a hut traverse, which is a 50 mile route. And this weekend there's like a 50 K route that I'm going to do that, that will get Mount Washington along the way too. Wow. So the nice thing is it's variety. It's not the same distance each day. So you can add more, you can take away. You've got, you've got, a, I'm sure you have, and I, and I use this term very gently easy. I'm sure you have easier routes than others that may not require as much of your time and of your legs than others will. Absolutely. I mean, there's the get it done route, the most efficient up down. Um, you feel, I feel like I know every rock pretty intimately at this point. And it's crazy. Like it's, it, there's aren't a ton of landmarks, you know, there's like a couple junctions on this four mile up four mile descent uh, route and then like other than that there's you know down low it's just like there's not much going on so it it can become pretty mind-numbing but the more you do it the more you start to have like a timeline of like oh i should be getting to this junction at this time and this junction and cross these bridges and so forth but um yeah i think that another part of this is like getting creative with routes i've done some I've done some pretty unique ones. I've hit some trails that I've never been on before. And, and I grew up here and it's really, it's just dynamic. The time of day you do it, if you do it in the morning, do it in the evening sunrise. And, and again, the weather, all that stuff has kept it very fun and refreshing, but like, I will be, I mean, completely honest in the, in the last like week or so it's starting to, it's definitely starting to wear on me. And, mm-hmm. um, I am looking, looking, uh, forward to, like you said, dropping that pack and, 
and sleeping in one of these mornings. How do you find the motivation, though? Because I'm sure, you know, you get, you get the, the excitement anytime you start something, right? The excitement is going to take you a certain number of days. You're like, oh, this is a great thing I'm going to do all summer. But at some point, the reality of that task sets in where you're like, man, 100 days. I should have just gone with 20. You know, like, like how, did, how do you find the day-to-day motivation after the shiny newness of this challenge is worn on, is worn off? How, did, how are you motivated to continue doing it? I mean, that's a, that's a great question, I think. So initially, like you said, it was really easy. It's exciting. It's fun. I'm transitioning out of the snow season into, into hiking and running, what I'm like, very passionate about as well and um very very fun and then like the last i would say yeah like once things started to become like routine uh this was like this was a big question about this whole thing is like is this going to wear me down is this going to be a net neutral or is this going to be like make me stronger i think that was one of the underlying questions going into it that i had because the the terrain is very rocky um you can't like you can't just turn off your brain and just go. I mean, you really have to pay attention. And that's, that's, that's the same with a lot of the Northeast. And um, that part was really, has been really challenging. You know, it's like, all right, you gotta, you gotta focus. But um, on the back end of this, I had, I was supposed to do the Vermont 100K. Yeah. So um, I guess that's the middle. So like day 55 might've been around the hundred, the Vermont 100K. I signed up for it just as like a fun, um, I don't even know if I had planned this this Mount Washington project just yet, but um, can you do this 100K? Can you fit it in and still live your life? I mean, that was like one of the principles of this project. And so I would have had to have done Mount Washington at midnight, started at midnight, gone up, come down by like 4 a.m., gotten a ride to Vermont, and then gone and done the 100K, and then continued the streak the next day. <laughs> so it's like, I'm trying to, and, and you know what, what was neat about that was like, I was getting excited about how was I going to do, like, how was my body going to respond? How was I going to do that? How long was it going to take me? Um, how can I train for the Vermont, like a, a, another ultra while I'm doing this? Because it's completely different, you know, not completely different, but a, not much running is happening up there. Like maybe you run down the last two miles. Right. Honestly, it's like, it's very different. Uh, it's great for the cardio, but the legs and some of those muscles for running just aren't getting utilized now that got canceled so i just transferred i ended up transferring into the um, ragged mountain 50k which was yesterday so today's monday and i ran that and then i had to go up and hike so it was like ran the 50k was done around like 1 30 or 2 o'clock 1 o'clock and then i like left at 2 got back here at 4 was on the trail at like 5 45 or 6 o'clock so then it was like, you know, I had some, I had some, I had some issues at the, at the ultra, like everything went fine, but like I ended up giving my, getting a, I tripped and fell right on my quad and got a dead leg and made it very challenging to like stay in the race. And then, um, it, I was feeling it all day. I mean, during that hike and then today too. So I guess long story short about this is like, yeah, you find accountability and excitement. Um, I signed, I was the one that wanted to commit to the, commit to something like this. And, and that makes it, uh, as soon as you start making things public, it's like, well, you can't really stop. You, I mean, and, and especially once things start working and you're like, all right, this is, I mean, I'm enjoying this for the most part. It's, um, I'm getting out. I'm, I'm not like getting injured for the most, again, for the most, I use, asterisk for the most part right right you could see my if you could see my palm here i ended up with 22 stitches in this freak accident where i was just descending one of the trails nelson crag trail so there's another trail um and it's notoriously uh unkept trail very challenging yeah um and i just like fell right straight to my hand which is normally fine but it just popped on a rock just at the wrong angle and it just filleted open this whole side I'm Ooh. my pinky and uh this was in june and it's just been like the slow healing I and mean, i had to had to uh just every day cover it and rebandage it and clean it and you use your hands a ton out there um so there's like all these little challenges that, and like hiccups and and things that uh you have to deal with but again i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't want to be out there
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, and you, <clears throat> excuse me, you had plenty of opportunities to, to make an excuse. Like you could have said, hey, guys, my hand looks like a filleted steak right now. I can <clears throat> I see the inside of my hand. I'm going to go ahead and call it quits because I just don't know if it's safe to continue to do this. And nobody would have gone. Oh, man, he's a wimp. Andrew's a wimp. He's bailing out because he sliced his hand open. Or if you would have said like, hey, uh, I, I pulled a lot. You know, I, I, my leg's not doing good after this race. I'm bagging it. But you didn't. You know, like you had every excuse to back out a couple of times. And I'm sure there were more times than that that bad things have happened on the trail or just couldn't make it work. But you keep coming back again and again and again. Do you think having it out into the world, having it on social media, having people follow you on Strava and going, what's this guy doing? He's going up to Mount Washington. This is what? How many days in a row do you think? that's part of what kept you going or was or was there something else yeah it's it's a feedback loop right i guess like you know someone notices what you're doing or recognizes what you're doing and it's it's cool it's it's neat when you can like reach an audience bigger than like your immediate circle yeah when people start coming in coming to our shop here talking about it like all right like it's resonating with people in a certain way and they're it's entertaining it's curious curiosity of it um so it's like yeah okay you know do that inventory like i can still do this i'm fine like i'm still cruising up and down the mountain as far as i'm concerned and yeah like these life lessons in the race the other day i was like yeah i was i took myself out of the race for a few miles and i think everyone can relate to this where you check out and you're like but then you like step back and you're like all right well no one's passing me i'm still moving like give yourself a shot you know i think that's a big thing i've learned up here in the mountains it's like keep pushing forward like you know sitting down or dropping out isn't you're not, not you're not going to accomplish anything that way i mean obviously if it's a serious injury but a lot of these things that we encounter like we can we can overcome and persevere and um, I just try to like learn from my past mistakes where I have either dropped out or just had this pity party and slowed down when I'm like, no, just work with what you've got. And, and, uh, yeah, like I said, persevere. It almost sounds like you were able to push through some mental barriers in your strength. Like I've been able to do this. Like, like I've got a crazy summer worth of vert on Strava. You know, there's a lot of people jealous of, of Andrew's vert on Strava. But I can imagine that you get those moments where, like you said, you wanted to quit in that 50K, like whatever. And maybe before, maybe if you hadn't tackled this project on, on Mount Washington, maybe you would have. But maybe that mountain's teaching you some lessons about how strong you are and some and and how you may think your stopping point is at some point as at this point this level but the mountain has showed you that no 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 you can go much farther than you assumed yeah absolutely when you commit to something it's amazing when your mind takes over doesn't you know it, it helps your body achieve what you've set out to and it's like if you don't think you're going to fail and it's something that you think you've got a shot at you know you go for it um, I've just been inspired by like all of these FKTs that are going down in the White Mountains and and beyond and like in it's infectious the way that other people have success. It, it definitely makes me think about what I'm doing. How can I challenge myself? How can I help, you know, I guess get the word out with other people. It's like I, I took out one of, um, you know, one of these women that helps me in the shop and she'd never been on Mount Washington before she'd or she'd never summited Mount Washington. She'd been up in the winter into the skiable terrain, but like, it was so cool to have that experience. And would I've been able to share that with her if I wasn't doing this? Probably not. I mean, I was talking today with my, the, the friends I was hiking with, it was like, how many days would I've actually hiked this mountain? That's just 
15 minutes up the road this summer and it's like maybe five seven i don't know because we take it for granted what we have in our backyard and this is the cool part is like you make do with what you have but like sometimes we just forget we've got things that are so special like that are right out the back door and that's something where like um i spent a lot of time last summer just in the little mountains around here i live in jackson and there's all these little 1200 foot climbs and i use that as like you know, rediscovering my backyard when I didn't feel like, I don't know, I didn't have the desire to go up high in the mountains for whatever reason. I can imagine growing up in New Hampshire that Mount Washington is a big part of your life because there it is. You, you, you said you grew up, you know, 15 minutes from the trailhead. You can probably see that. You're probably, you're, you're driving around all the time and it goes into the background because you're right, it's your, it's your everyday thing, right? It's like, oh, I've, you, you grew up around Mount Washington it probably doesn't even you don't even notice it right has this this uh this challenge of yours has it changed your relationship with that mountain do you find now that when you're driving around town you go oh there it is like do you has it completely changed how you view the mountain you know i think so because summertime is somewhere like like i said i haven't spent a, a ton of time on on Mount Washington in the summer. I, I visit it maybe, like I said, a handful of times every summer, but seeing it through the weather that you would normally look out the door and be like, no way, no, not going up in the, in these conditions. And it's smart. It's like, yeah, why would you? Why, if you can cherry pick your days, if you live up here, or if you're planning a weekend, you know, you're coming up from wherever, why would you, why would you go up there in those conditions? You know, that's that's kind of the way I think about it. And what I found is, I've just been like more more often than not pleasantly surprised. It's like that kind of whatever age old saying is like just get out the door. Yeah. You know, you're gonna be better you're gonna be better for it. And that's that's the way it's felt. Like every time I'm I complete, you know, a hike up there, I'm like I'm pretty excited. Even on like a day when there's no views, you're like, At least I got out. What else was I gonna do? You know? I think that's the that's kind of that take home message. And people come and visit Mount Washington, they make drives from like Pennsylvania and New York. Connecticut and they're like and it's so it's so cool to see the excitement that other people have for this mountain and you're like it just kind of reinforces what I'm doing it's like yeah there's a there's a reason why people drive from all over to come up this mountain we're spoiled <laughs> spoiled rotten here I got this thing that in my backyard that people pay big money and, and plan their vacations around seeing this thing that I have in my backyard um it's such a cool challenge and and i hope that on day 100 it's gonna be a bittersweet ascent for you to know it's and i mean there's nothing stopping you from going 101 and and keep going but that's going to be the final day is going to be a little bittersweet for you no matter what that day turns out to be yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna i was thinking about this i could do 101 days but i mean i i think uh, I was like, what's the point? You know, what do I, what do I have? I, I, what else do I have to prove to myself that like, I figured this, you know, I, I tried this, it, it worked out, had a, had a really good time doing it. Um, but, and I think I've, and I think I've gotten like, I will have gotten everything I've wanted out of it and more, you know, like, again, this was a selfish endeavor, just like, just for myself, not, there's like no record for this. This isn't like a, this isn't like quote, a thing right it's just something that something that interests me interested me and i was um it's it's really neat to see something like this through because like everything we've talked about there's so many opportunities for failure or for some life occurrence to come in um and and stop you from from hiking the next day but uh i'd say like yeah i've got that hundredth day will be nice i mean coming up after that like this was also part of like a um a very uh uh, unique training plan, I guess you'd say, for another. I'm I'm doing a mountain hundred in Switzerland on September seventh. So ultra trail, ultra trail Monterosa. Yeah, it's like the um, low key UTMB. It's 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 not yeah it's not the not the the big one that everyone tries to get into, but just as beautiful from what I've heard. Yeah, David Laney um, was at our shop with Craft and he was going to UTMB last summer and he just like, he didn't seem like as excited for UTMBs. Like I would just like want to go to this lower, this like this race with 300 people over, 
over in Switzerland and Italy called you like ultra trail Monterosa. And so I immediately went and looked it up and I was like, Oh, you know, cause I felt, I felt, I kind of felt the same way. I'm like, I don't really need to go. I don't feel like I need to go to UTMB, but I kind of want this mountain experience. Yeah. hundred miler. Um, and I don't want to have to collect all the stones and play that game <laughs> to, to get into it. So, and, and I wanted to see like another part of the Alps and that I haven't, I haven't been to before. So anyway, this, this project hopefully will get me to where I need to be to make it around on, on that loop. Yeah. You're going to find out real quick if you're, if, if your unique 100 day training plan transitions to, uh, racing in Europe and racing in the Alps, that'll be a fun race. You'll either, you'll either find that you have the most incredible climbing legs. And then once you get to the top, you'll be like, I lost some speed or it may just all come together and be perfect for you. Yeah, I think I think I'll be just fine. I mean, it's like I've limped my way through other mountain races before, and like it's just all part of checking out somewhere new and revisiting that dark place of like, why am I doing this? Right, right. Because you you find some real truths about yourself when you ask those questions when everything has been stripped away from you, and you're deep into those miles, and you start asking those questions. You get to answers that you probably wouldn't get if you just two guys sitting here talking in, in their in their spare bedrooms <laughs> you don't come to these truths the same way you do like you're gonna you're gonna find something out about yourself late into that race Monta Rosa um that 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 you you know is gonna change your life yeah I hope so I mean I, I think like I, I I haven't done many of these like the the longer distances like this hundred mile um traditional ultra where you have aid stations like i've done unsupported stuff in the mountains here but like um it's so nice when you have support and aid stations and can just focus on getting from landmark to landmark or checkpoint to checkpoint uh and yeah i, I want to see how how this like yeah unorthodox training plan pans out and so i think when it comes when it comes to training andrew we all maybe maybe we spend too much time looking at other people's training right and i think when it comes to running these ultras it's it's hard to wrap your mind around what it takes to prepare the body for these things right and so i think the the mistake of of strava and following you know killian for example is you think, well, I have to put my body somewhere close to what he's putting it through or what this person is putting it through. And and I, I think we we could probably do the races that a lot of us do on far less miles than we think so, uh, just because, I mean, really, this is still a, ni- a niche sport. And, and there's there's folks out there that are screaming at the top of their lungs like hey you can do all this on 35 or 40 miles miles a week and then there's still folks that are doing you know 200 miles on it so it'd be interesting to see just with that training and just how you really can i think what it'll come down to is you you may be surprised at how how well like you'll you may do way better than you thought you could just because you are doing some it's not the same but you are doing some very interesting training and and i seriously you're gonna have legs to go you're gonna be able to climb for days out there that'll be interesting yeah i i think that um to your point it's it's so hard because it's cumulative with all these like years of running and and racing it's like i started really started to get into this in 2014 and into running and it's it carries over so much like maybe not always like you might not always be the fittest but like you learn more about your body about the race the race environment you get more um conditioned to be like comfortable with being in these uncomfortable situations or stressful situations and and uh yeah i've just found that um i don't all i don't always need a ton of training to do well but like it's always an experiment you're always trying to figure out this these these the puzzle pieces and uh and like i said yesterday was was one of those it's like just back to the basics of shuffling along eating drinking make it to the make it through the next the next checkpoint so i think that like yeah if you look at my strava i'm trying to like incorporate more 
um, just some, sometimes I'm trying to get out for the, just our group, group rides and fun runs. And we host, uh, we, we've hosted a weekly Friday night, I guess you could, we call it Friday night vertical, but it's yeah. a hike run up a ski, ski area. Yeah. And it's just like, again, being involved in community events, being around other people and adding that layer on top of like this base, this base training and this, if I can squeeze in some extra running miles, great. But, um, it is, it is kind of cool because I think that like the core of it suits like maybe this mountain race. And then after it's all done, it's like, all right, well, it's like, I've been inspired. I have this, like this, um, accumulated fitness for whatever it is from the summer. And how do I like snowball that into something else? And I think I've been, I've sometimes I've lacked that motivation, you know, because yeah. I come out of the summer, like kind of, um, I don't know, burnt out to some degree of like, all right, I just really want to rest. Whereas now I feel like I really have this motivation from this project. And hopefully that's something that people can take away is like, uh, yeah, this consistency and where it gets you. And, you know, I feel great and I'm excited to like, to see, I mean, I'm 42 years old. So I'm like, you know, I still got some time left and it's like, how do you, how do you capitalize on it? Yeah. And something that you have, you know, different, like here where I'm at, you know, in, in, in middle Tennessee, I can run year round. It's not a problem. Um, I can run outside year round. I do not have to worry about spending months and months in a treadmill in New Hampshire, especially near Mount Washington where you're at. And you, you talked earlier about, you know, I, I mentioned you, you own a ski shop and all that. You really are forced to compartmentalize your hobbies if you will like you had seasonalized like you like you probably do your skiing you have a ski season and then you have a running season and i'm sure you try to cram all of this running into a shorter time span than what i have and i can just run outside whenever i want it's no big deal and yeah i can see the the burnout but this has caused you to slow down quite a bit and maybe you're not going to see that end of the season burnout because you're not trying to cram so much it's not about getting as much running as you possibly can get in before the weather says, yeah, if you want to do this, it's going to have to be on a treadmill. Yeah, it's so true. I, I, um, I face like what everyone else in the Northeast faces, like this, the seasonality, um, the, the sad, the, the depression and darkness up here where it's like, it's dark out. You're not really motivated to get out super early or late after work when it's dark out. It's just challenging, especially if it's rainy, it's cold, it's snowing. Um, it can be really, it can, your motivation can definitely dip. And I think that's just a result of like the natural ebbs and flows of living, um, living in this region. And I'm sure people can relate to that. And, but like, if, yeah, if you can compartmentalize a little bit, like we love skiing, ski mountaineering, ski, skimo racing, just general backcountry skiing, uh, do a bunch of Nordic skiing. I don't feel like I need to run, but man, it would be helpful to like sprinkle in a little bit of running. And what I've been burnt, I've been burnt big time by like trying to just convert April right into running and pick up on, on whatever, wherever I left off. And ultimately, it's just never worked worked out in my yeah. favor. But like every year, I think this is a another thing I learned was like hiking fixes everything. So like when my body started to really hurt, I'd always find like in August I just hike more, and it just somehow strengthened my body in ways that running wouldn't, and really helped me have a strong finish to this season. So I'm I'm thinking like yeah, next year when if you just bleed bleed a little more you know the running starts a little sooner and you just it doesn't take much and i think that's what gets that's what becomes really difficult because i often find that like you start looking at like i'm just gonna i want to run 30 miles a week well 30 miles a week is quite a chunk of, of time for me right and maybe it doesn't have to be 30 maybe it's like i'm gonna run tw- like half an hour three times a week you know and like just really dumb it down and then see and then that way at least like when you come come april like you're not going to be complete starting from complete scratch because um, as you've been doing before you've been like okay i because it's when, when you get your first like major snow in new hampshire when you have to say like okay the running's over well that's the problem is that it's it's so season it's so based it's like based on um 
seems like sheer luck these days. Like what, when we've had some Octobers where we're skiing with natural snow. Yeah. Um, the ski resorts are generally firing up the, the snow guns in November for Thanksgiving. But man, we've had some really bad winters, um, late starts where it's like, you know, you get into December and you're still not skiing. You're like, well, why am I living here if we're not skiing? And I like, that's my, that's my passion. Um, but the cool thing is, is that our ski seasons get pushed way deep into, into May. Um, even on a bad winter, just the way that the prevailing winds deposit snow up here on, on Mount Washington, we're reliably skiing through May. And if you want to make turns in June, you're going to be able to make turns. So, um, there's a level of patience, but man, like it's a lot of rain, a lot of cold, rainy days, uh, very dreary when you're in that like November funk, but you know, occasionally there's been a few winters here where it's like amazing skiing in November and early December. Um, so yeah, that's like, that's what you deal with. It's like the uncertainties and that's kind of the strength, like why it's important to find strength in your community and find other people to link up with so that like, yeah, you can keep the motivation at like a sustainable level. Right. Sounds like you are a skier at heart. Like that, was your original hobby your your big outdoor hobby love early on was skiing is that the case yeah i, I think of myself as a better i'm a much better skier than a, a runner but running is what we can do you know we have the conditions for running more months out of the year so it's like you have to adapt and i i grew up skiing alpine in the alpine programs alpine ski racing and then kind of phased out a little bit um, did some ski patrolling and then just like dropped it all to pretty much dropped it all together except for like a couple weeks every every winter and like just kind of switched it up and i started surfing and this was like in 2005 what? To 2000, <laughs> two, 2005 <laughs> to 2014 like i really got into surfing because it was a new sport it it uh took me to some great great uh destinations all over the world and it's like still i think it's one of the best sports out there but, that's a okay there's a whole story there andrew we just can't glaze over that i mean to go from how do you go from skiing because i'm sure that's a big part like listen i grew up in flat wisconsin i live in middle tennessee skiing is not a part of my life it never has been cross-country skiing maybe was a thing i mean i grew up near alpine valley but honestly that was my, my I'm, a, I'm a son of a floor installer we didn't make alpine valley money you know they weren't sending me to go learn how to alpine ski but it's a big part of your life there so it sounds like you you know grew up with skiing i mean you're a kid you're on the ski team the high school ski team and then how do you go from <laughs> from skiing to well, surfing one side of the spectrum to the other well, you, you live on one one coast and you move to the other coast. <laughs> I, I think, uh, so like I said, surf, like skiing became really stale because just lift surf skiing, you're just, you're doing laps on predictable terrain. It's, it's at some point, I just like, it wasn't moving the needle. It wasn't like, as ex it wasn't that exciting. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of times, like when you pick up a new sport and you start as a novice, there's a whole learning curve and everything is like, new and fun and it's it reminds mm -hmm. you of like the the intricacies of learning a new skills and it's super fun so i studied abroad it all started with like just i had a kayak um from just as an odd summer job down in harper's ferry i was a raft guide for a couple months and i left with a kayak so that kayak i got invited to go out to the coast of maine to go surfing with my friend and his father and I was like, wow, this is great. We're catching waves. And but I'm like, why am I not surfing? I should just be surfing. If I have this kayak, if I'm catching waves in this kayak and I'm looking around and people are surfing, I need to, I need to surf. So I got my friends in college to all go in on a surf trip to Costa Rica together. So we went to Costa Rica for like spring break, learn how to get up on a surfboard. And then I was like, wow, this is so much fun. I want to keep doing this. I'm going to make my junior year study abroad semester somewhere where I can surf. So then I found a program in Sydney, Australia, where they put you up in student housing, like on the coast, I got a van. And then I just spent the whole semester traveling up and down the coast, <laughs> really like learning how to surf going with the wave like that was yeah. the phase. And then I did that semester came back finished up school in Maine. 
I tried to surf a little bit on the, you know, in that last year, but it just, it's very fickle and Maine, it's not easy. Um, so I, I ended up moving to San Diego after college for, you know, a job in the degree. I had a, a biology degree, environmental consulting. And, uh, but San Diego was like also just a great, like a kind of a, had a strong surf culture and seemed like the next, next place to go to, to, I don't know, continue building this, this skill and, and thing that I, this new hobby sport that I like really ingrained myself with because it just replaced skiing altogether. Like I said, it was so, so much fun, um, harnessing the power of a wave and trying to figure it all out and travel and find these others, these, all these surf breaks. And we're right on the, the border with Mexico and Baja and doing these long surf trips. Like that speed of life, that pace of life is like, I, I can't think of much, much better than that to traveling to like these amazing destinations and just like slowing down and all, you know, you go out, surf for a couple hours, come in, have some food, maybe go out again. If it's like too windy, you can go for a run. And yeah, that lifestyle really spoke to me. And like, uh, I haven't, you know, since I moved, I moved from San Diego back to, back to my hometown, home area in the Mount Washington Valley here in 2014. And like, the sad reality is that like, I just don't have the will to like go drive to the coast and maybe the surf's not good. You know, it's like my time is much better spent in the mountains than like trying to revive some muscle memory and pretend I'm a, I'm a surfer. <laughs> right. You must've found something though. There must've been something in that surfing you talk about the community and just the way of life, right? The slower pace. You're just, it's almost like you're existing moment by moment, wave by wave, and then the opportunity to get back out there. But to just, to do something like the mental thing, like where does, where does being out in the ocean and letting a wave take you somewhere, there has to be, like, it seems almost like, an act of surrender in a way in a way almost like a forceful surrender where you got to get up on that board and you're just going to have to stay up on that board and let the wave take you where it takes you that's a really interesting i tried getting up once my brother surfs i spent an hour trying to get up it was it was horrible but to talk about some of the mental aspects of surfing it, it goes back to that commitment like i was committed i was watching these surf videos um, and just being like, yeah, I got to figure this out because it is so frustrating trying to learn to surf. You know, it's like, it just has to click. It's like one of those things that clicks and it takes time and you have something, the wave that's moving and you need to be moving and at what speed and you do the right strength and the right balance and the right board for the conditions and it needs to be the right break. All these things need to align for things to click. But like once they click and you get to experience that movement on the wave, then it's like an addiction because now you're like now you're in now you've experienced it a little bit and now you want to keep you want to get that again and keep improving and when you're out there you're right it's like you get what the the ocean gives you and oftentimes you get skunked you go out there and you paddle around you get beat up thrash around and for what like you get to paddle in on your belly <laughs> it's that's kind of part of it for a little bit but man like once you get a little better and like i'm I was still like very much a novice, but I could, I felt like really comfortable going to new places and paddling out in the lineup and, and feeling, feeling out the, the waves and, um, yeah, had, had that like confidence that eventually, you know, it comes with time and that that's just being out there. You've, it's a lot like, it's a lot like living here sometimes where like you might not be at the best break, but it's what you have and you're gonna make the most of it. You can't like, you look at some of these world-class breaks and it's like, you're looking in this guidebook, right? And it's telling you, like you're seeing all these beautiful photos and you go out and you drive like hours to this spot and it's like flat or like it's windy, it's choppy. And it's like, wait, okay, there's like a science to this. Like you need to know a little more, do a little more um, meteorology and like figure out what the storm systems are doing in order to like predict the, the waves and it's the same thing with skiing like this you can pull open a guidebook for skiing and see someone's like face deep in powder but like that's not every day and there's often like it takes a lot of planning being in the right place in the right time and really what it comes down to is like giving yourself these opportunities so it's like showing up going out being in the moment and maybe 
mother nature gives you a wave that's like the wave of your life so and you keep searching for that next wave you know like like oh that was a good one but there's probably a better one coming yeah or a better spot to go a better surf break and um but yeah i mean i just again it was like something that really i don't know I, 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 I keep saying this, but it's like, it w- if there's one sport I could do for the rest of my life, it's probably surfing. And yet here I am, I haven't surfed in like five years. <laughs> right. I surfed, no, that's a lie. I surfed like, I surfed last two years ago. So. You're on an ultra running podcast. So obviously it hasn't worked. you haven't been able to surf and, and keep that up. But what is, what did surfing teach you about yourself? God, I don't know. Not my, I mean, I don't know. I didn't take it too seriously in the sense of like, I it, I guess it humbles you. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty insignificant. The ocean's very powerful. It could, I'm, I'm a lot of the times you're just not in control. Like you're out there, it's well overhead. Um, there's rip, rip currents. And like the place I surfed a lot was down in Mexico. And like, it was just tough. It was a hard beach break that would sweep you like a half a mile. Like you'd be trying to stay in position, try to find a peak. And like, next thing you know, you're like looking at the shoreline and it's like, you're just on a conveyor belt and you're trying to stay in, in, in the right spot where yeah. like you're trying to paddle out and you're just getting pounded and pounding. But it's like that resiliency of like, all right, you know, I'm going to keep, keep trying and, and see what happens. Like if I give up, then I, I'll never catch this wave. I'll never get, um, this experience, you know, if I just get washed into shore and don't, and don't try again. So I think there was a lot of that is like, uh, yeah, that resiliency. And too, you talk about just the whole thing of surfing. And I just kept thinking like, it's almost a lesson in you are in so much less control of so many things like, like, like surfing, you are at the mercy of all of these things. And maybe if you're lucky, you can tie in to the, all those wonderful factors, but you are so not in control of so much when you're surfing. Yeah, and it's a lot like in the parallel and running, it's like you remember the highs and the lows. You mm-hmm. remember the awesome waves and the near-death experiences. But then there's this all the days and the like all the other days and you're out there you maybe catch a few waves and you're, you go back in just kind of forgettable but those enable you to have the great days mm-hmm. um and that's like something that i think i definitely carried over into into running it's like yeah you're not gonna have a not every day is gonna be amazing like right. you're gonna have to get out every day to get those amazing amazing days out yourself and maybe too that's what kind of maybe maybe surfing and the lessons you learned on that wonderful i mean how many people are listening to this going man living in australia in a van going up and down the coast surfing sounds like like paradise um but maybe those those lessons of surfing are what's allowing you to do this mount washington traverse every day you know like you're you're summoning you're coming back down every single day every single day knowing that there's going to be great days and maybe it's the it's it's those lessons you learned of some days you go out in the waves and there's nothing and you're just ugh, you know it's a lot of there's a lot of monotony between the highs and the lows it might be something to that andrew i mean yeah i've absolutely never thought about carrying over anything from my surf life into my running life i mean i felt like they were so distinct and so separated but um i think i was like while on some of these surf trips i'd be reading and i would be learning about ultra running in like yeah in in that period and and it's just crazy to like flip flop and be here now i'm like doing the running thing reading about sur- you know reading about surfing a li- <laughs> reading about surfing a little right. bit but i mean it's like i think like everything is some somehow subconsciously or not a building block into like the next thing i this whole life you know pre running felt very like I don't know at the time it was like almost like i was retired where i didn't really have like much meaning to my life other than i'm gonna go find waves that's my enjoyment Mm -hmm. and then um yeah whatever else i have time for i'll I'll take care of and now it's like yeah now it's all about like connecting with people it's like having working this other job like a ski shop or ski run bike 
where you got people coming in and out all day and you cre- you're creating these relationships. You're watching other people go to your events, creating relationships with each other um, and having these great experiences and growth. And at, at that part is so much more meaningful now that like, it's hard for me to look back on that and these other experiences where I was just like, I mean, I was surfing because it was like, it was hundred percent selfish and um, it just felt like, you know, if you've had this free time, how do you want to use it? And, and now it seems to shift in some ways where, you know, I still make time for myself. That's super important, but it's also like, how do I, how do I do something that's like, feels more substantial and feels yeah. more like giving back. Do you think you, did you need that much time away? Do you think, do you think surfing was a vehicle that gave you the time with yourself that you needed to maybe get through some stuff? No, I think it was just like a, a period of my life where um, it was just kind of waiting for the next thing almost. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't the end all. I didn't I didn't have roots out in California. I didn't foresee myself living out there for forever, but it was just like, all right, this is the phase of my life. And I sort of had this outward view of, okay, I know I'm going to end up back on the back on the East Coast and probably like that could be Maine if I wanted to keep surfing. I could be on the coast of Maine, but um there was something about moving back to the mountains that every later on you know in that 2013 area like i was like yeah i want to move back to my hometown like home area to my these mountains i grew up in because i went from surfing to back more into like i discovered backcountry skiing so my brother's in my brother lives in alaska i did an amazing trip visiting him where i got to do a little bit of everything with like go into the Alaska range, Denali base camp, to go to like heli skiing in Valdez and do snow machine access stuff, a lot of human powered um, trekking. And I was like, wow, this this part of skiing was never, exi- never existed in my life. You know, I associated it with tele skiing because that's what my brother exposed me to in like the early 2000s was he was tele skiing with skins on his skis to climb up the mountain and like, that wasn't appealing to me. I didn't want a free heel. I wanted to like Alpine heels locked down the different style of skiing and uh, technology and equipment got better. Now all of a sudden you can Alpine tour. So you skin up and then lock your heels in for the way down. And that gear is just was getting better and better. And so in this time frame of like 2011, I went on this trip of a lifetime with my brother and I was like coming from the beach straight to the mountains. And I was like, this is amazing. And it just like my focus slowly shifted from surfing into this reality of I'm going to move back east. I'm going to become this backcountry skier and I'm going to rediscover my home mountains on skis. And that was like that was a huge turning point like in my life where I was like, now I'm excited. I have this new direction. I wanted to move back east anyway, but now I'm giving myself the opportunity to like shift gears. Which I think that trip probably has softened the blow of taking surfing away from you. Because imagine if you'd not experienced that new way of looking at skiing by going there, going to Alaska. I mean, it probably would have been a little harder to leave that sport of surfing, knowing that if I go back to New Hampshire, surfing is going to be a once in a while thing. It's not going to be an everyday thing. Or were you just ready for that at that point? I don't know what I think I was I was looking at it like I can still do surf trips I can still go back to San Diego to Baja and I can do these trips and so I had this like safety net of like all right if it's really bad or I'm not enjoying it I can always fall I can always do these trips and like kind of plan my vacations around around skiing I mean around surfing but the reality was like I moved back here I jumped into like everything possible like I did snowshoe racing. I did Nordic skiing. I did Alpine adult, like Alpine race leagues. I, I did whatever I could um, to stay busy. And I just really enjoyed that. So it was like moving into like this competitive world that I just was surfing was everything but competitive um, for me. And yeah. so like, yeah. So everything just like really flipped like this it's crazy it's hard to describe but like surfing didn't scratch this competitive itch that i i turned out i had 
Yeah, but all these other things when you went in the mountains did the the, the snowshoe racing, all the skiing. When did when did running factor into your life? Yeah, running was like I've always run to some degree, like jogging, um, recreational. Yeah, and just never never like and not never really amounting to something. It was always part of like dryland training for skiing, part of basketball, lacrosse, stuff like that. Um, I never found myself to be like a particularly great runner, but not a horrible runner. I did some fun runs as a kid. My my siblings, older siblings, were phenomenal runners. I felt like cross they did cross country and um, they just were built like what you'd consider like a normal runner build. You know? Yeah, just kind of like that that in that sweet spot. So I um it would, it took like another it took a friend that was like weighs like two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, to start sending me like his running logs. He was like, uh, he used a website running ahead. It was like an old run log site way before Strava. And I would like see his training and what he was doing and these races he was doing back here. He was doing like the the famous Mount Washington road race. And he was doing these like 10 milers and 10 Ks. And I was like kind of blown away that someone in like with his size was running as fast as he was. And it sort of broke this like my ideal this runner's ideal that like you have to be built a certain way to like be a runner um it's kind of silly but like watching him got me fired up and we ended up doing like a 10k together in 2009 yeah that i trained for and i like it was hor- like a horrible experience for me and like delayed my like true like move into running because I went out too fast. Like, of course, I was the guy there with like his phone in his hand and like a cotton t-shirt, <laughs> basketball shorts, and like ran. I was trying to run like um, a sub a sub forty minute ten k. That was the goal. And like, I went, and that's like what six thirty pace. Yeah. And of course, I go out the first mile with like sub six, and then like the second mile was like six ten, and then I just died. I died out there, and I'm like, how can anyone like this? The next like four miles were like the most painful four miles of my life, and I was done. I was like, I had written off running. I'm like, I I, I finished in like forty three minutes or something like that. But um, I sort of like, yeah, I stepped back and I started learning about ultras. Of course, like born to run and and everything, and like. I learned about Leadville and I was reading race reports. I started like reading all these race reports and I was like, man, that like, that is, I was really curious. I'm like, how are people running this far? So I just kept, I kept at it a little bit, you know, like I kept, you know, adding the miles and like, you know, got up to a half marathon and like I was working on boats at the time. So I'd be gone. I'd be offshore for like five weeks at a time with the gym, with a rower, with a treadmill, a bike. And like, I ran my first half marathon ever distance on like a, a treadmill and then I'd be back on land and I would continue the running, but like no, no direction at all. And it wasn't until 2014 when I watched my, my girlfriend run, start running some races and she ran a local race here. Um, that was a, I don't know, duath, duathlon, biathlon, but you'd run a 10 K you'd in this one town, then you'd bike like 20 miles up to a ski area across from Mount Washington Wildcat and then run up to the summit. And like, I went and watched that. I watched like this Olympian, Chris Freeman, this Olympic Nordic skier, just crush his way up. And I was like running behind him a little bit. And I was like, man, why am I not doing this? Like, why didn't I, why am I not participating in these events? I'm like running a bunch, but with no goals. And I feel fit because I'm spending time in the mountains and like these events exist. So it's like, why not participate? And like that night after, and then Hillary, my, my girlfriend had a, ton of success i don't know if she got like first or second at that race but i like really just kind of changed my outlook on running again i was like yeah i gotta i gotta get in on this and i gotta sign up for something so i immediately signed up for like a half marathon that fall in town and like of course like i pull up a generic training program and i <laughs> i just fill it in with events like all right you gotta do a 5k here's a 5k oh you need to do a 10k well there's not a 10k but there's an olympic distance triathlon that has a 10k in it so i'll do that and like oh there's another half marathon that we can do like a couple weeks out that's on a rail trail anyway so it just led me to like signing up for stuff and learning more about like what i liked and didn't like and um the rest is sort of history like after that like running became part of my life i learned how to pace a little better and like i got the watching the improvements with consistency was like um super rewarding you found that you don't need to put your phone, you don't need to carry your phone in your hand. 
no basketball shorts, <laughs> no cotton t-shirts. You learned about wicking fabrics and running shorts. And some of those have real nice pockets in them. Now you stick your phone right in your shorts. Yeah, well, I've made a ton of other mistakes since then, but those are some of the early early ones. You know, it's funny. People probably think back to that race that you ran that 10K and go, there was some guy in a cotton shirt holding this phone that went out way too fast and he learned a lesson the hard way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I see that all the time still. It has a way of humbling you, that's for sure. You can definitely tell when running has humbled somebody. But it seems like all the things that you've done, Andrew, just kind of come back to moments in nature spending time where it's you know running so you know people sign up for races and they show up for races and there's a lot of people there but it's still a solitary sport surfing was yes there's lots of people out there you know waiting for that wave but it's you and the wave skiing yes there's a lot of people out there skiing but it's you and the snow it seems like you really dig these you and the outdoor sports of course yeah i think uh what's what's not to love about being in the mountains again it's not lost on me when i'm out there and there's a highway of people coming up and down the trail um capitalizing on like what what we love out in the mountains and it's like it can be challenging to get that wilderness experience but like get up early go out later like you can you can still get it and i i just like it's i feel like everyone goes through these motions of like i'm gonna try something get really into it for a few years and then it's Mm -hmm. like either gonna stick or not right like i'm still waiting for that like other shoe to drop like am i gonna get burnt out of these mountains and like where i live and um i've moved back here and i've been here yeah this is like eight years ish if the math's right but like i still like I find so much joy in being outdoors and in the mountains up here. Um, If I travel, like it's all about the outdoors. It's all about finding somewhere to get out. uh, I mean, it's, it's just like, yeah, like we talked about, you learn so much about yourself. Um, It's, it's like visually um, stimulating, like all the sensory, the very stimulating. Uh, I, I love living here in the white mountains for, I don't know what reason, like, you know, if you look on paper, it's not like, not that special, but there's something, there certainly is something amazing. Um, every time I travel like to the Alps and I even come back here and I'm like, wow, I like can't wait to, to be on my home, home trails. And some of that could just be, um, just some, just being a local, but, and feeling like I have roots here, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's something to be said when you're like, that excited to get home and, and spend time outdoors well i think too because you had you you you, had, you haven't always been there and we talked about you know the the time away and you found this and you found that and you spent some time here but you came home and now you're you know spending that mountain that's always been in the in the background of your life you've now spent as of the recording of this podcast one 78 days you know getting up close and personal with that mountain yeah that's so true and it's like it's crazy to think it was there the whole time and uh i'm still learning new things about it like every time you know every time i go up and uh yeah looking at it it'd be hard to fathom that i would have logged this many miles or this many hours up there this this point because i have no idea i don't like i said i don't keep logs like um spreadsheets and i'm not good at that stuff it doesn't mean as much to me, but it would be very, I'd be very curious to know like some other, some my historical stats of like how many times I've been to the summit because I'll go and we'll ski and we'll ski from like 300 feet below the summit. And I just won't go to the summit. Like I'll just go, I'm focusing on getting good skiing and I don't need to go just be on top of the peak, just right. to be on top of the peak. Um, sometimes it's just like really more about, uh, yeah the, the i don't know what the word is but like the functionality of it it's like i'm here to ski i'm mm. not here to like make a list right do, do you find though during these 78 days do you still take do you take moments at the top at the summit to kind of look around and just appreciate where you are or has it become so routine now you're like oh, okay top and we're back down <laughs> yeah no it depends on the day i'd say like um it'll be fun i'll have a compilation of like every summit sign tap i think 
of uh, of the project. And then, no, I, I take lots of moments to like um, really appreciate everything about this. That I'm out there. I'm like fortunate to be in the situation where I can dedicate like this chunk of time to this because it might not always be there. Um, my health and everything else, but like, yeah, it's it. Uh, it's one of those things where um, I've just always loved like that above tree line experience and this, this serves it in big doses. For sure. Best of luck. I have fingers crossed uh, by the time, by the time this is released, you'll be much farther down the list. Uh, not quite at 100, but fingers crossed to 100. And I hope you have a great race in the Alps in September. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ryan. I, I appreciate it. And anyone that's listening and uh, if you're in the, in the region, you want to go out for a hike, you know, you know where to find me. 